Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360. Fuel your brand. Are you, you're in Colorado now? Uh, or I'm or actually, Kansas? right. Yeah, right now I'm in Kansas City. Okay. All right. You're just outside of Kansas City there somewhere? Yep. Or you? Yeah. Uh, uh, Olathe, if you know of it. So like Olathe, Lenexa, Park, um, that area. Very uh, good. I know you're a Kansas boy, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised. Uh, went to college here. KU. Rock Shock. I saw uh, that. Did you get to go to a bunch of games, basketball games? Did you, were you like oh, in yeah. the stands? Just like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, I was a cheerleader in high school, actually, funny enough. Oh, cool. And uh, I got offered uh, to cheer at KU, and I stupidly was like, no, I don't I don't want to cheer. I don't want to be a part of uh, a fraternity or anything. I want to kind of carve my own path in college. And then okay. I just became friends with all the cheerleaders anyways and hung out with them all the time. So I might as well have uh, gotten some of my tuition paid for. Uh, left did, learned, did, I guess. did you... Um... Were you at those basketball games like like Duke, North Carolina, the super oh, yeah. intense, like just yeah, I um I just bought this house about a year ago, uh, and wasn't looking in this area, wasn't even a big fan of it, told my my realtor not to look um in this area, and then she sent it to me and uh it was I knew there was it had to be somewhere I didn't want to be because the price was great for for the house and um, now that I've lived here for a year, I've grown to love it and I've grown to love the area and there's walking trails all around me. And, you know, I just moved back from Colorado not too long ago. So that's kind of ne- necessary for me. And, uh, I, I mapped it out uh, a couple weeks ago and I'm exactly in the center of Allen field house in Kansas city. So I oh, really, really? <laughs> really couldn't have done any better for myself uh, <laughs> as far as location goes. You know, Colorado is such a, uh, 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 in shape state, so to speak, right? Health wise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then I'm from, I grew up in Oklahoma, so very similar to the culture you're used to in Kansas, right? Super similar. And, uh, you know, I go back home and visit my family. Everybody's overweight. Nobody exercises, you know, <laughs> none of that, right? Just none yeah. of that. You know, you're like, I'm going to go for a walk in the morning. They're like, huh? Where are you walking to? Like, for what? <laughs> like, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if I want to bring you to a Red Rock show, you're going to have a miserable time until we get up those steps. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, now, so when you grew up in Kansas, did you grow up uh, in a conservative uh, religious family? And the reason I'm saying that is because 90% of the homes in Kansas are conservative religious families. Uh, yeah. What, tell me what kind of family you grew up in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, conservative uh, religious family. My dad was and his whole side of the family is very Catholic. Uh, my mom and, and her side of the family was very Southern Baptist. Um, so it was kind of pulled in between. I was kind of, I grew up Catholic and then um, probably middle school years uh, kind of went into a between church that was called Cure of Ours here that was 
a little bit more Baptist like than Catholic, but still had like kind of Catholic roots. And then eventually uh, graduating into a, a non-denominational Christian church uh, that I was a part of during kind of my high school youth group uh, years and things like that. And so, um, yeah, very, very traditional, very conservative uh, background that I grew up in. Mom, dad still married, separated. What's the story? Still married, still married. Um, both my my parents have been married my whole life. Their parents were married their whole life. Um, definitely feels like uh, I'm, I'm blessed, lucky, lucky that I had that. Uh, I grew up even with my grandparent, my great grandparents. I knew them until I was, you know, ten or eleven. Um, so cool. su- super grateful for that, and uh, definitely comes along with a little bit of pressure uh, of like, you know, when 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 I make that decision to get married, it's got to be the right one, and it's got to stick. I can't be the first generation to break right. that. All right, right, siblings. <laughs> brothers sisters or anything yeah yeah brother sister and uh an adopted brother um so i'm the youngest uh always okay. yeah adopted yeah. so i had now your parents been married the whole time though what what were they having trouble with their first yeah, kid no, what, no. yeah. uh he came in late uh it was more of a, a convenience type thing so he was already uh 16 or 17 uh when we oh, adopted wow. him and he uh, his parents were in and out of jail and basically just needed a, a place to, to live and, and, uh, to thrive. And so, um, okay. you know, he, he really took on the big brother role. Awesome for me. He taught me how to drive. He, I remember he kind of got rid of my, uh, middle school bully. Um, and <laughs> that was, Hey, meet my, meet my new brother. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so um yeah yeah he was he just kind of needed a place to land and uh he, he oh, became, cool. became my brother and we bonded very quickly and um still talk to him every week and still my That's brother yeah. so were you um straight a student church three times a week never got in trouble kid or were you like i'm gonna i'm over here partying and my parents don't know where where are you in the mix there <laughs> Can you say all of the above? <laughs> okay, probably. I mean, that's very typical, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's a great answer. You're, you're absolutely right. For Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, whatever, that, that whole, we were like that, weren't we? Most of us were, 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 were like, okay, we're going to go to church today because my mom's making me, but last night I was hammering down with my friends. Right? I mean, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, high school, high school came easy to me. It was easy to get good grades. Um, so I didn't have to put a ton of effort in. And um, I went to church because, you know, the youth group was fun and yeah. I would show up smelling like cigarettes and my youth pastor would be like, are you smoking again? I'm like, oh, no, of course not. Like not realizing oh. that I just reek of cigarettes and like had been out drinking the night before. So yeah, I think it, I think it was all of the above. And um, I think that's, you know, ultimately what kind of led me to the cannabis industry as well. It was because I had such a conservative background, but I did enjoy partying and things like that. Um, for me, it was always, I stayed away from man-made drugs I, I stayed away from man-made things. Um, okay. and if, if God made it that way, if it grew that way, then, you know, I was I cool. So, um, you know, okay. that was kind of my, my scale, uh, of what's acceptable and what's not for me. And so, you know, cannabis was, was on the list of like, yep, grows that way. It's cool. Um, even, you know, psilocybin mushrooms were on the list of like, yeah, they grow that way. It's cool. Um, cocaine, ecstasy, things like that, that are made in a lab that man could mess up or put fentanyl in or whatever. Th- those were always, you know, hard off limits for me. So if there's a plant, 
I was cool with it. If not, I, I stayed away from it. Probably a good rule to follow, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so smoke. So cannabis was part of your life in high school and college. I mean, you that was, you know, some semi-normal. Mm-hmm. Your parents, did your parents know that you smoked or, or no? No, no. Um, and for me, it was it was weird because uh, I I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease really early, um, okay. like 10 years old. I was diagnosed with mm. Crohn's disease. Mm. And I had to go to four different hospitals to finally land on on that diagnosis because mm. I was so young. You know, Crohn's disease is typically brought on by stress. And um, it was first ulcerative colitis for me and then exacerbated into Crohn's disease. And um, the doctors just wouldn't didn't want to believe that it could be Crohn's disease with me being so young. How are you stressing yourself out like that? And, um, you know, the first time I tried cannabis, I felt normal. I felt like I could okay, be okay. myself. And I was like, well, this is, I didn't really think anything of it, but then I, I found myself drawn back to it, uh, often. And for me, it, it was like, okay, well, there's, there's something happened. I feel better. I feel, and at the time I was taking, I think 14 pills a morning. I had to go in every week to get my blood tested. Cause some of the, the things that they had me on were experimental. Um, and not to mention I was, you know, an ADHD kid who they were given Adderall at, at 11 years old. So it's on all, all kinds of pills and all kinds of pharmaceuticals and cannabis made me feel normal. Um, and so I would use it and, you know, I say my parents don't know we have a great relationship now and I think they knew more than I thought they did back then. But, um, you know, I was, I had ran into the law, uh, using it a couple times. And so I got, I think a couple of, of misdemeanor, uh, possession charges or paraphernalia charges, um, before I turned 21. And, uh, it was, the way I explained it to my parents was that I, it, it made me feel normal. Now, knowing what I know now, I know, you know, really what was kind of happening in my gut and, it, and that it was actually really helping me. Um, but at the time, I just I felt like it felt made me feel normal. But I also felt like it was, you know, making me an outcast in my youth group. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was viewed upon as, as one of the bad kids for a while um, and uh, got into metal music a lot i became a, a big fan of metal music my friends were all in a band um i still joke about that's really where my entrepreneurship started was i managed my friend's metal band in high school um and that was like going up to these these youth centers and, and being able to negotiate shows getting to play shows and then like okay if there's yeah, four yeah. other bands yeah. here and we're getting a dollar per head of people that show up for us, but we bring the most, like we have probably 60% of the crowd here. So I think we should get $2 per head if it's a $5 ticket, because without us, you barely have a show. And they'd be like, yeah, oh, okay. right. and they negotiate, I'm like, yeah, guys, we got $25 for Taco Bell instead of 15. <laughs> I love it. When you got in trouble uh, with the law, what uh, is that when you, or did you not even tell your parents about that misdemeanor? They didn't even know about it. I did. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my dad uh, had to pick me up uh, from the station on the first one. So there wasn't really any avoiding that. Um, my dad's a scary individual when he wants to be. And so I remember the officer had told told me he shows up and, and the officer says, you know, you can stay here. Or you can go with him. And I like looked back at the cell for a long time and I was like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but luckily, my is, brother, 
him and, and he kind of uh, helped smooth that out. And it was okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause your dad was raised, uh, how old is your dad? Uh, 62. Yeah. I mean, you know, in his mind, I mean, the, he saw the commercials, you know, the devil's weed and oh my God. Oh yeah. But yeah, all that. Right. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've talked to him so much about it and he told me, Oh, I tried it one time in college and it, it, it felt like someone was like, burning my eyes out with a spoon or something and i was like dad that that wasn't cannabis i don't know what that was but that was not (laughs) will he try it with you now yeah i think he would yeah he would but he hasn't you guys haven't like sat on the back porch and smoked haven't haven't he's uh, also interested in um hallucinogenics of sorts Uh, for some reason he has it in his head peyote i don't know if it was uh the that that old school cowboy movie where they all do peyote (laughs) Uh, <laughs> young guns i think it was uh, okay uh, <laughs> it was oh that. my gosh uh, oh we have such uh, we got a lot of similarities yeah very you know i can uh even today my, my dad has passed since but uh my mom you know if i'm ever telling stories about smoking or drinking in college or whatever like if i'm if we're around in a family gathering and he she hears me saying telling stories like that like she'll, she'll just go in the other room or whatever she, don't, she, <laughs> she just but doesn't want to doesn't want to hear it you know yeah and uh she she wouldn't my mom i couldn't get my mom to smoke with me she, she had uh she had some severe pain uh for a while here this last year and we kept my wife and i both kept trying to get her to at least you know maybe try some gummies or something even if she didn't want to smoke and uh i just that's she just would you know Meanwhile, she went down to the doctor's office and got the opioids. You know, yeah, she's popping those left and right, but she damned if she was going to try any cannabis. I'm like, okay, mom. And I tried everything. I should have put you on the phone with her. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, both of my parents have come around. The reason I moved back to Kansas City from Colorado was my my mom got diagnosed with a, a few different forms of, of stage four cancer. Oh, and- sorry. Yeah, uh, I I just wanted she already has an amazing support group here with my brother and sister and my dad and and all of her friends and you know she didn't need me, um, but I just uh, I'd have kicked myself for a long time if I didn't move back. It's obviously, yeah. something she would do for me in a heartbeat without thinking mm-hmm. about it. So, um, wanted to do the same for her and, um, you know. I, she's taken CBD since I've got into the industry. It's uh, she's very familiar with that, but THC has been a, a godsend for her, and she's willing to take THC gummies because the chemo makes her so nauseous and makes it so tough for her to sleep. The THC fixes the problems that chemo presents. So, like you know, chemo is doing a lot of good for her, keeping the cancer as small as it can be, and and hopefully even shrinking it. But it also comes with all those nasty side effects. And for her, the THC gummies have been a godsend of of dealing with those side effects. That's great. So your dad's cool with that. He doesn't give her a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's cool with pretty much anything now. Um, okay. I shouldn't say that. He's still very conservative, semi-redneck. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, is, is Kansas, I should know this. I feel stupid not even asking this question. Is Kansas uh, medicinal then? I forgot. Kansas is nothing. Kansas is nothing. Wow. Oh, how's your mom? Okay, you want you got to well, who's your mom's supplier? Go ahead and tell us on the podcast. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> see, she lives right on the other side of the state line, so Missouri, ah, Missouri's right, right over there. Yeah. This, <laughs> uh, so a lot of people ask, you know, Kansas City, are you on the Kansas side or Missouri side? I view Kansas City as one big city that there you go split by the river, and so like, you know, some people live on the Kansas side, some people live on the Missouri side um but there aren't yeah. guys there there aren't cops like 
taking people to jail for a little thing of gummies on the other side of the state line, are there? Uh, I haven't kept up with enough news to say, you know, uh, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Kansas is very behind the times. Um, got that right, I, think, brother. I think Kansas and Nebraska are going to be in the running for who goes last. Um, and wow. it could even potentially, you know, become federally legal before Kansas decides to go. Uh, you know, it's, it's true. Kansas is super conservative. Back in the 90s, I was traveling through Hutchinson, Kansas. You know where mm -hmm. that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were <laughs> our, our rivals in, in football in high school. I was outside Hutchinson. I was looking for a place to eat, and I pulled over at this little gas station, and uh, there's a little, 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 just like you would think of in a movie, right? Like a little mom-and-pop gas station on the highway, and there's one old man behind the counter probably owned the place. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm looking for a place to get like a steak and a beer. And uh, he goes, he goes, he, I can't remember exact verbatim, but it was something like, you mean alcohol? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, like a beer. He goes, he goes, we don't do much of that around here. And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all I asked for was a beer. I didn't, I didn't ask for like a pound <laughs> of cocaine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> super conservative, yep. man. Holy yep, that's, cow. That's Kansas for you. Isn't uh, it interesting that Oklahoma went so fast? I was stunned by that one. My mom called me and uh, medicinal passed in Oklahoma. I was like, what? I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. I was just as shocked about that. Um, and, I, I even try to understand, I sat on the, the Kansas Cannabis Coalition board for a little while, and um, I, I try to understand, you know, really, like, why? What's what? Yeah. What's the true reason behind everything else? And I haven't been able to figure it out. The, the people that seem to think that they know keep going back to... Um, like prisons for profit and it's it's this this whole they make a ton of money off of you know uh, cannabis being illegal but it doesn't make sense to me because if you look at colorado's tax numbers if you look at oklahoma's tax numbers the numbers that i'm seeing that they make money off of uh with with cannabis being illegal is minuscule compared to what they could make off of the tax revenue and so now it's in oklahoma it's legal in missouri it's legal in colorado it's on all sides of you it's ignorant to think that people aren't driving right back into the state with it so like why wouldn't you just make money i don't know i think it ties into religion most probably big more than anything else i mean going to church on sunday in kansas is is still a very huge deal uh and and oklahoma but but really you know in can i i think there's a lot of probably political leaders and old timers that are super religious in Kansas that are just, they're just hell bent on. I, I want to sit down with every single one of them. I want to sit down with my <laughs> old youth pastor. First of all, if you look up, there's a, a term, uh, K-A-N-E-H space B-O-S-M, Kane Bosom. Look up Kane Bosom. It is one of the earliest terms for cannabis oil. And you can find that term in the Bible. Oh, Literally, the Bible that. talks Didn't about know. cannabis oil. And so con comes from the root word, uh, con A comes from the root word con, which means hemp or reed. And then bosom means aromatic. So aromatic hemp is marijuana oil. It's it's cannabis oil. And it's right in the Bible. It's as like we've used cannabis for like since Jesus times. And <laughs> the the fact that like the political marketing effect of uh, yes. weed being bad and prohibition had that much of an effect on even religion here is crazy to me crazy. Um, because we our bodies have endocannabinoid systems and so okay kansas 
pastors and lawmakers, you believe that God created us in his image. And if that's true, he also created us with an entire system of endocannabinoid receptors that respond positively to the use of this plant. And he also put the plant here on the earth. So you think we're not supposed to combine the two? Like it just, it seems crazy. Logical. Crazy. The fact that we're putting people in prison for that. Meanwhile, the opioids are fentanyl. Fentanyl is killing more people in the country right now than anything else. But somebody's like getting arrested for for a little ounce of marijuana. Like what? Yeah. We're, we're, we're can you people in jail in Kansas for marijuana? Like what? What are you talking about? That I, I can't even believe that's I. It's hard to wrap my brain around the fact that there are people being arrested in Kansas right now for weed. <laughs> yeah. And imagine, you know, being there for 20 years and getting out and then like driving around and going to a shop that looks like an Apple store that's selling weed. The same thing that you've been in prison for for 20 years. Well, it's crazy. My wife and I, you know, so in Oklahoma, right, recreational is not passed yet. Or I think it was on the, what the, was it just on the ballot for rec? I, think, I can't remember. Yeah, I think you guys might have just passed it. I don't know. Oh, did they just pass it? Okay. I think so. All right. So anyway, we're getting, we're getting ready to make a trip back to Oklahoma, and I was getting my camper ready. And uh, it thought my, the thought crossed my mind. I'm like, okay, what, what's in what's in here? What do I have? Do I have anything in here I need to get out of here? What? What? Yeah. Like why? And then I'm then I'm having flashbacks to high school. You know, like oh, oh shit, I gotta hide my stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? That oh, yeah. never even crosses my mind. Living in Colorado it is so normal. I mean, and I mean really? Colorado, they just passed psychedelics. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Which, by the way, I've never done. So that that brings up an interesting topic before we get into to business in pure spectrum. Yeah. Um. You don't happen to know Del Jolly, do you? Del Jolly, he's doing some stuff with Jake Plummer on psychedelics called, and the company's called Umbo. The yeah, name sounds familiar. I don't, I don't think okay. I'm familiar. Anyway, he's he's a buddy of mine, and uh, he's got like a yurt in his backyard, and he's like a psychedelic, like he's a pro, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and he's like, man, come on, you got to come over here and travel with me. And I, and I, the word travel. I, I was ignorant to that. I'm old, I'm 55, so I, I'm like, what, what do you mean travel? Like, where are we traveling to? He's like, no, and he starts walking me through the whole mushroom thing. And, and uh, you know, you got to have a guide or whatever he calls it, counselor. Or, like, you got to have an overseer your first time. And I'm like, man, I don't know, Dale. I don't you got, I don't know if I want to do something that I have to have, like, somebody watch over me. Like, I, you're scaring me. <laughs> have yeah, you, was, what, what's your experience on, on psychedelics? Give, give me oh, some, I wish give someone some... would have told me that I needed a guide. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, I was sick. <laughs> Uh, my first time trying uh, mushrooms as a psychedelic. I was 16. I was with two of my best friends in uh, one of their basements of their parents' house, and all three of us ate, ate an eighth of mushrooms, and um, we all had very different experiences. Oh, really? Interesting. Very, very different experiences. Good, uh, good, bad, and ugly. Like, was it good, bad, and ugly? Yeah, or what was kind it? of. Um, you know, one of one of my friends, he thought he was frozen. He thought like he couldn't move or anything else. The other friend just disappeared. I don't really know where he went for a few hours. Um, and and so then my friend that was frozen was in the basement, and I was experiencing uh, hallucina hallucinations that. My mind couldn't quite comprehend at the time. My hand was getting huge. Looking in the mirror was crazy. And for me, I was like, well, this, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. This must be not life. You know, I must have died. I, I ate too many mushrooms and I, I'm now in an afterlife. A different of, world. Yeah. This is a, yeah, yeah, somewhere else. I died. Wow. 
And so I was trying to check in with my friend and say like, Hey, I'm not dead. Right. Like, and (laughs) he's thinking he can't move. So he's not responding to me at all. So then I'm like, I'm convinced at this point that I'm dead. I was like, he's not responding. I'm dead. (laughs) And I was like, I have to figure out like, how do I get my life back? Like, is there a wizard of Oz somewhere I can talk to and be like, Hey, I'm I won't do it again. Uh, so do you microdose now? Are you a microdose or what, what are you? I've, I've experimented with microdosing. Um, I, I have, I don't anymore. Um, for me, it was nice. I met a, a billionaire that I got to spend a lot of time with and, uh, he swore by microdosing. It changed his life. It changed his really? relationships with okay. his wife, his children and his employees. Um, was always a very uh, hard analytical type of person and didn't have a ton of empathy and microdosing was a- allowed him to really connect to the, his empathetic side and become a better partner to his wife mm-hmm. and a better leader in his business and um, mm-hmm. you know when someone that successful is telling you things like that I was like well I, I gotta try this and um, so I tried it and for me you know it it wasn't it was good. I was definitely um, softer around the edges and, okay. and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I was less motivated. I uh, just wanted to hang out. I just wanted to, you know, um, lay around and be comfortable. Uh, well, that's I, what cannabis does for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why even today I don't use cannabis near the same as I once did um, pretty much weekends only now for, for even cannabis. Um, Brings up because... an interesting topic. Yeah. I, I, I a lot of guys, a lot of friends of mine would argue against this because uh, they, 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 they can smoke all day and work and, and do their thing. And I've always told them even way back when I was young, I'm like, man, I, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. Even even here in my neighborhood, I got a couple of friends around. You know, like if, if it's Saturday and I'm out in the garage doing something, my buddy uh, lives two doors down. He's like, hey, man, come over. I'm like, man, Rich, I can't right now. Like if I do that, if I, do, if I come over to your house right now, I'm done for the day. Like I won't get anything else done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I can see both sides on this one because I used to be exactly like your friends and be like, oh, yeah, I can smoke all day long. And I, I even thought I like needed to, right? Like being in the industry, um, I have a lot of friends who are very popular in the industry. Uh, one of my friends is the probably the the nation's biggest THC chef. Um, so she cooks uh, oh, cool. cannabis infused meals uh, for like all of Dave Chappelle's summer camps and his like birthday parties and things. Oh, awesome. White party and and you know anybody who's anybody uh, if they have an infused dinner they're hiring Chef Nikki and so I'll wow. you know I'll cross paths with them at MJ BizCon and things like that and so I had this story in my head that I had to have a super high tolerance because like what if I end up smoking with Snoop Dogg or something like I don't want to like be coughing and and barely be able to speak to him I need to just be able to slide right on in and so it was just a story I told myself but I had myself convinced that I needed a high tolerance and I'm part of the industry so I need to smoke all the time um and then it was only just a couple months ago I watched uh an Andrew Huberman podcast I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Huberman yeah. um yeah. I watched his podcast on cannabis and he talked about how uh people who were chronic users when they were younger and cannabis may be used to relieve anxiety from them it can actually cause anxiety thc can cause anxiety even during use or even the day after use 
And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I've never been somebody that's like really struggled with anxiety, sometimes social anxiety, I guess. Um, but I was curious about it, curious enough that I've, I've had enough experiences where I'd use THC and be like, this is the opposite effect. I feel like I'm like slacking right now. Like I can't sit yeah. on the watch TV. Like I need to go right. do something like it just it made me kind of like nervous. Um, and so I quit, I quit altogether. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to quit THC. I, I recently, I don't know, you caught me at a weird time where I quit everything. I quit. I used to use nicotine as a tool as well. I quit that completely. Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. I quit alcohol a long time ago. Um, I still drink on weddings and birthdays, but that's pretty much it. Um, and so I've kind of just quit everything just to get to a point of like, you know, full clarity. And then I want to use these things as a tool instead of, um, mm. as a crutch basically. Mm. And so I wanted to just analyze where I was. I hadn't quit THC in so long. It had been a nightly occurrence for me for years, decades almost. And, um, so I was like, okay, cut it out, just see what happens. And so I cut it for, uh, I think 50 days originally cold, like cold, like boom. Cold, cold, yeah. Yeah, cut it all away. Um, that one was simple compared to nicotine for me, by the way. Okay, okay. Not even close. Like, and, and my girlfriend will tell you, cutting nicotine challenged our relationship because I became <laughs> uh, harder to be around. We'll, we'll, uh, but the, the cannabis was, was so eye-opening for me, um, and I don't think it, everyone's going to have this effect, um, but... I, once I did use it again, mm -hmm. I discovered that the only time I feel anxiety is days after I used cannabis. So if I were to, to use cannabis on a Tuesday night and I feel anxiety on a Wednesday, that's the only time it would happen is the following day. I would, little things would become bigger in my head and I would experience anxiety out of it. Is that because of the, the anxiety around, Oh, I, I wasted time or I was being lazy last night and now I'm anxious about it the next day. I honestly don't know. I've had long conversations about this and I, it's, it's such an interesting topic to me um, because part of me thinks that it just amplifies kind of how you're already feeling in a way. Um, yeah. Now my dad thought that all the way. He was like, he thought if you were angry and you smoked cannabis that you would become angrier. And I was like, well, that it's not true at all. Um, but I think you know, as we get older, we have so much more to worry about and we have so much more responsibility. And I think it just, it, you become kind of um, a heightened awareness of all of those things. And like, mm. I'm responsible for so much. I can't be sitting here, you know, um, elevated on cannabis. I need to be doing things. I need to be working. Do, I need do, to yeah, right. Stuff. <laughs> I need to be talking to my mom on the phone. I have all these things I, I could be doing. Um, and so I think that's, really it and it was eye-opening for me that's why i've changed to you know only weekends if at all um and i am excited to get back to nicotine that one was was way harder um i had always read all the studies of how good nicotine is on the brain um i don't know if you've read uh, aubrey marcus's book own the day the, uh, the founder of on it he has a, a chapter in there where he talks about all of his supplements and things and he was like getting saying that I use nicotine as a supplement was the hardest thing to get past the publishers and all my editors. Like they would not let me put it in the book. And really? I was like, I fought hard because all you ever hear is nicotine's bad, nicotine's bad, nicotine's bad. But if you really look at it, 
Um, I mean, I even had a, a college professor tell me that nicotine raises your IQ. And he was like, I hate telling you guys this because you're going to justify smoking cigarettes outside um, because I just told you this. But studies show that after you ingest nicotine, after you smoke a cigarette, um, your IQ is higher, measurably higher for the next 15 to 30 minutes. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so when you really start digging in the studies, Aubrey Marcus leads into a lot of this in his book. Um, he uses it as a way where he's trying to, he uses it when he's being creative or writing or things like that and trying to focus on writing. Um, but you look into it and some people even uh, suggest that it could potentially stave off Alzheimer's. Um, and anecdotally you think about it and you're like, okay, well, if you ever knew like an old lady, maybe had an older aunt or something like that, that smoked cigarettes into their old age, they probably were still as smart as, as a whip into their old age. Wow. Wouldn't that be quite the turn of events for, uh, you know, the medical society to go from, Hey, cigarettes are the devil please stay away from them. Well, that's the thing. That's where I think the there's holy a, cow, like this could, this could actually slow your chances of Alzheimer's. I'm like, wow, yeah, that so I think, crazy. I think is good. Right. I think, uh, and if it's used correctly, I think it can be good. I think our delivery devices are terrible. Cigarettes are terrible. You gotcha. should never smoke a cigarette, not even to get the nicotine. Um, vapes are terrible. You shouldn't use a vape, not even to get the nicotine. Now, they're making cleaner delivery devices. A piece of gum with just nicotine in it might be perfectly fine. You know, uh, the little nicotine-only pouches might be perfectly fine. Um, and it's just like drinking Coca-Cola every day to get your caffeine. Like, you can get or caffeine. Coffee. Or coffee. Or coffee. Yeah, or you can get it a little cleaner by just having some black coffee, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see what comes out of, of that world. I think nicotine can be great for the brain. Um, I was actually nervous about coming on this podcast with you that I have been 40 something days off of nicotine because I don't feel as sharp all the time uh, wow. without it. And so um, <laughs> well, you seem fine. I wouldn't know. Any, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known if you hadn't said good, anything. Good, so when are you going to take the gum? You're going to get the nicotine gum pretty soon. What, what's your plan? Yeah, um, I used the gum to get off of it. Um, so I was using a, a vape. Um, you know, I started smoking cigarettes uh, 16 or 17 and um, throughout college. Obviously, I was prescribed Adderall when I was younger and those go together pretty well. Um, and so I used the gum to get off. So I still have some. I didn't plan on getting off as soon as I did. I kind of challenged myself with the gum one day of like, Hmm, how long can I go without it? And then it was like 24 hours and then, then it was 48 hours and now I'm 42 days or whatever. It's just kind of like a, a challenge that hasn't ended. Um, but I do still have some of that gum left over. So um, I kind of, okay. I thought it was going to be 30 days. Then I, then I'm telling myself 45 days might end up becoming 90. Um, we'll see how I feel, but <clears throat> we have, you know, nicotinic receptors in our brain and I really just want to give those a break. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and see yeah. how long and, and I know 30 days sounds like a long time but uh, for like a really full reset if 45 to 90 feels feels better to me you know I talked to a lot of people your age a little younger than me and they try to you know uh, get off certain vices or whatever and try things like you're trying and uh, for me now that I'm 55 I'm kind of on the other side of that track where I'm like finding new vices 
<laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, it's more like, Hey, these are my vices and I'm going to be 60 years old in five years. And so I really, I'm just going to, I'm going to eat pizza. I'm going to eat Mexican food. I'm going to smoke some cannabis. I'm going to have bourbon and you know, it is. As it should. Yeah, as it should. Yeah, I, <laughs> I still fully believe in an 80, 20 rule, you know, like live 80% of your life regimented it, it as good as you can, but yes, we're, yes. we're not here very long. Let's enjoy we're it. Not, it's a very it is actually a very short time it really is a very short time uh yeah. that, that we are on the planet right and i you know i i'll tell you this real quick and then we'll get into pure spectrum i had met this guy recently and uh he he uh, we were walking out to his car and we were going to go to lunch the rest of us were going to go to lunch and he's like well i got my lunch in my trunk and i'm like okay this is a really in shape guy it was it was you just look at him you know he's in shape right and he opens his trunk. He's got a little cooler back there. And he opens up his cooler. And he's got these little plastic containers. And he's got little, you know, handwriting with piece of tape and how many calories. And he opens up this one. It's got like two carrots in it. And he opens up this other thing. It's got a piece of broccoli or whatever. And I'm just like, Joe, I'm like, you know, bro, I'm like, look, hey, here's the deal. You look good. I'm I'm happy for you. But, but listen, man, like this is a very short time. We're on planet Earth. I'm going over here to have a beer and a big cheeseburger. If you want to <laughs> sit here by your trunk and eat carrots and broccoli, that's cool. I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an interesting balance for sure. How did you decide to, how did it happen? Walk me through the, the transition from a regular job into I'm going to enter cannabis uh, how did it happen? Did you have like a buddy call you? Did you have a friend? Did you just apply online? How did it happen? Kind of, kind of. Um, I was in a regular job. I was working in software out of college uh, with my degree in information systems. And uh, yep. I traveled every week for, for this job. And I had a friend who was living in uh, in Colorado, and he owned a dispensary at the time. Oh, okay. And when I'd travel out to Colorado, I'd visit him. And, um, you know, this was early in the days before regulation even kicked in. This was, you know, when gummies could be 500 milligrams in one thing of a gummy. <laughs> like, there was no regulation. It was kind of the wild, wild west. And he just, owned, I, he just owned the one dispensary? Did he have a grow or anything else, or he just had a retail shop? It was uh it was a grow uh oh. and a retail shop all in one. It was up in uh Nederlands. Uh, okay. And, um and yep. it was um it was so interesting to me. Obviously a kid from Kansas going out there and, and walking through his kitchen and he had these giant jars of cannabis and he had medicated chicken noodle soup medicated chapstick medicated you name it it had thc in it and i was like you're you're, you're walking around going wow yeah i'm like in wonka's wonderland like i'm like, just like this is incredible um and so obviously i'm like i was like you know how do i get out to colorado how do i yeah 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 you're like i can't go back i cannot go back to kansas now there's no way i gotta be here <laughs> yeah. So um, I stayed in contact with this guy. I, I found him interesting. And um, he called me one time and he was like, hey, if you're in Denver, I'm having a grand opening of this new of this new company I'm opening. 
um, with some friends and it was called Ambry Gardens in Evergreen, Colorado. And they were kind of the first ones to have their own greenhouse, grow hemp and put it into products. Um, and this was back in 2014. So also super early. Um, and I went to this grand opening. I happened to be working for Regis University through my soccer job at the same time. So it just lined up kind of serendipitously. And I was like, yeah, I'll come out. I'll come out to Evergreen. I'll check out the the grand opening. And so I get there kind of early and I'm I'm sitting there and I meet a guy named Harley. And Harley was a veteran and he struggled with PTSD and it greatly affected his quality of life. And I sat and talked with him for a while and he told me about this, this tincture that he started taking from Ambery of that it had changed his life. It had made it so that his uh, PTSD was manageable. Was, was that T- THC or CBD or both Just or what CBD. was he taking? Just CBD. Just CBD. There was probably, uh, you know, it was made out of hemp, but there at that time there was probably, you know, around 0. 0.3 or maybe a little higher of THC. Okay. Really okay. just CBD. And so that happened. And then during their grand opening, they had a family come up and speak. And uh, one of the, one of the children of the family that spoke was a, was a child with Dravet syndrome. And he was having 70 seizures a day before finding this product. And then he went from 70 seizures a day to seven a week using the same product that Harley was just using. Is this before the whole Charlotte's Web uh, thing on CNN and all that? Right after, like like a week after that came okay. out with Sanjay right. Gupta on CNN. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I'm still feeling, you know, very ground floor. Like this is all uh, incredible. I still don't understand it at all. My, my primitive understanding at the time was like THC gets you high. That's the recreational CBDs, the medicinal, and those are separate. And I, that was my understanding at the time obviously very, um, very long to go there, uh, from that being my starting point. But I met the, this child and I went out to, to dinner with this child and his family. And the fact that he was able to like, look up on a screen and watch a baseball game and clap his hands together was huge. Like before he was just almost constantly having a seizure. So like he didn't have any quality of life. And I was mm. like, Oh, this is, this is crazy. How do I get involved? Like, what do I do? How do I, you know, how can I help you guys? Um, and he was like, well, we don't really have any positions open right now, but you can wholesale if you want. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? And he was like, yeah. well, you'll have to file an LLC. You'll have to get an EIN number. And once you do that, like you just buy from us at 50% off and then resell it to people at hundred percent. And I was like, okay, that sounds easy enough. So I Googled how to form an LLC and I filed up a, Kansas LLC called CBD Remedy LLC. That was my first LLC ever filed and um, went into- Why'd you, file, why'd you file the LLC in Kansas? Why didn't you file in Colorado? I was still living in Kansas at the time. Oh, oh you were going to wholesale CBD. I see. You were going to, okay. Yeah. So you, I was going to buy from them and I was going to wholesale back around in Kansas City. They really didn't have any anybody out in Kansas City. So I was still okay. working at my software job in Kansas City and I was like, okay, this works. Um, and so I walked and- into- Commerce. And for the listeners, for the listeners in Oklahoma and Kansas, just to clarify, this is legal because it's CBD and it's a it's a low con. It doesn't have enough THC to be illegal. Just so people in the yeah, there was a farm bill that was get confused in 2014 that, that made it legal, but it was still very misunderstood. And that, that big time, big time, yeah, a lot of problems, a lot of problems. But at the time, I was able. It was so early that I was able to walk into Commerce Bank with my new EIN and my articles of organization and. It's like, this is the company I'm starting. And it said CBD Remedy LLC right on that. And they're like, what is it? And I was like, well, it's, it's an oil. And they're like, oh, like an essential oil? And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 
<laughs> they gave me a bank account. Uh, that lasted <laughs> okay. for about nine months until CBD became more understood and they kicked me out. But um, it, at the time, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm, this is this is the start of something. And the branding was terrible. Uh, it looked like clip art that you made on Word. And it was just a, a white label around a bottle with a big marijuana leaf in the background. And I'm like in Kansas, on the Kansas side of Kansas City, like going into chiropractors like, hey, do you want to buy like 10 of these bottles? And they're like, can you be in here with this? Like, <laughs> I think you need to leave. <laughs> no, no, it's totally legal. It's, it's uh, yeah. Uh, what are you, what are you making these stops? You're making these stops like in between your other job. You're like, okay, I'm going to work yeah, in here real quick. Yeah, nights and weekends, <laughs> nights and weekends, uh, making these stops. And, you know, uh, I found the most traction with friends, friends, parents. Um, I sold actually one of the same friends uh, that we were in the basement trying the uh, mushrooms. Really? With. His mom was one of my first cool. customers and she owned a salon and she's on her feet all day and had back pain. And, um, I normally skip this part of the story because it's a little bit longer. But what's funny is she would she started taking a tincture and didn't really notice anything. And uh, which happens was, for a lot of people that that happens for a lot of people, by the way, they try the tincture. It doesn't do anything. They stop. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I was like, no worries. I'll uh, I'll give you your money back. I'll come pick it up. Um, no worries. I'll just use it myself personally. Um, and she was like, OK. I was like, I'll be there in a couple of days. And then a couple of days comes by and she texts me. She's like, hey, don't come. And I was like, okay, what happened? And she's like, well, it's working for me now. And I was like, well, what'd you do differently? And she was like, well, I put it in my hot tea at night before bed and I drank my hot tea and the pain melted away. And I remember I told the guys that were uh, the owners of the company at the time, I told them this and they're like, oh my God, we haven't been decarbing the oil. And so when she put it in hot tea, it really was just a CBDA tincture. And when she put it in hot tea, it decarbed it into CBD. Right? How about that? How about that? <laughs> it was, there was no real quality control back then. Um, right. And so that was, you know, my first time learning about decarboxylation um, was just. And right after that, you sent your friends that you were buying from an invoice for consulting for $100,000 for fixing <laughs> right. their problem. I probably should have, yeah. <laughs> Um, but after that, I, I started giving some to my dog. My dog was a uh, 14-year-old German Shepherd who was a 100-pound uh, German Shepherd, and his hips were starting to go, and started giving some to him, and I would walk through my door, and he would jump up on me like a like a puppy again, and I was like, what? Okay, so there's a veteran, there's a child, mm -hmm. there's a, a woman, mm -hmm. there's a dog, like there's different species, different ages, different, mm -hmm. like, and all the same product, each one of these stories all came from the same product i was like this there's something to this this is much much bigger than i thought even at that grand opening event like i need to you know get more involved i need to figure this out and then i just became a bookworm on it i okay. bought every okay. book on endocannabinoids you could buy i watched the scientist of Raphael machulam i studied Raphael's life i i you know, I became a pseudo endocannabinologist uh, studying the function and dysfunction of the endocannabinoid system and and realizing that it's really the endocannabinoid system that makes all of this work and how cool all that was. And I, it was just I became uber passionate. Dove in head yeah. first, all I the way in, all the way in, the all the way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And um, so I kept in contact with that same guy that started that company and wholesaling on the side semi successfully, not really. Um, just kind of like friends, parents and friends of friends that uh, were open to it and kept in contact with that guy still working 
very hard in the software company. Um, I kind of found a niche in the software company of a piece of software that no one wanted to deal with because it was a bear. But I was like, okay, if no one wants to deal with this. I'm going to make this my thing. I'm going to become the product knowledge expert of this thing. Um, okay. And then it became the number one thing that we were selling. Uh, it was a um, object character recognition software. So OCR software that could take college transcripts and pull off the course data um, and then enter it into uh, a piece of software. And all you'd have to do is QC the, the few mistakes, but basically it would do all the data entry for you. You could just scan the transcript and it, it could even match up to your same courses, which ones they were. And so um, I kind of became a product knowledge expert there. And because of that, I, I gained myself quite a bit of job security and I um was I kept in contact with that friend and he was like hey I got kicked out of that company I didn't sign contracts they like stole the company from me um but I'm going to start my own I'm starting a new one uh and we're going to call it pure spectrum and I was like oh okay um he's he like, like come help me come help me yeah I don't know what I'm doing my COO right now is not no good um I need you know a CIO or a COO I don't even know what I need but I need help and I was like okay um, so I went how much, on, can, how much can you pay me? And he's like, well, uh, I don't know for sure, but it'll be a lot of fun. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He said nothing. He said nothing, but he was also always very grandiose with things. So, oh, I'm, I just got off the phone with Mark Cuban's manager or <laughs> this, that, whatever. it was always these, these grandiose stories. And, uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll help. Um, I talked to my manager and I was like, Hey, can I move to Colorado? And they're like, yeah, as long as you can get to your clients and get to an airport, like you can move wherever you want. You're fine. Okay. Yep. You build the work. I'm there. Cool. Called him up. I was like, Hey man, um, literally about to like book the U-Haul and everything. You're sure about all this. Like I'm going to move into your basement. I barely know you. You know, we've talked on the phone quite a few times, but that's it. Like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come out. Your basement's yours. I was like, all right. Is he, mar is he married? Kids, family, or he's, he's by himself? Or he he lived with a kid and a girlfriend at the time. All right. All right. All right. Um, so you to, all right. So you pull up on the U-Haul. <laughs> so I pull up in the and I should I should have dropped the U-Haul off down the mountain. He lived up this mountain road in uh in Evergreen, Colorado. And um so I pull up and I'm there and uh basically from there it was I would do my 40 hours of billable work for my software company and I could get that done by Wednesday night, Thursday. And then the rest of the time, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be, you know, spent on trying to help him get this this CBD company off the ground. And, and what was he doing? Was it wholesale? Was it, what was the company? What, they, was, the, what was he selling? Um, at the time it was just tinctures and then uh, vape carts. And, and where, where was he, how was he manufacturing the, the products? So there was, uh, it's a much more convoluted story, <laughs> but there was a company called Quantum that he was affiliated All right. with. All right. And then there was uh a third company called Nanosphere. And so uh, these three companies were operating as sister companies because Nanosphere was going to do the whole nano thing and they were going to benefit both the THC company, Quantum, and the CBD company, Pure Spectrum. And okay. all, all three of these companies lived together in this building on Floyd Hill. And we would produce out of there, but we would hire different chief science officers basically is what we were calling them at the time that understood how to formulate these products and, and um, do things like that. We went through quite a few of those individuals in the early days, um, got, you know, 
scammed a couple of times. Like this, oh, uh, sure. this one gentleman sure. was, oh yeah, that'll cost, that'll cost, you know, $5,000 and it'll take me five days. And really we found out that it costs like $500 and takes like an afternoon. Um, <laughs> but he, he got away with it for a little while until he, you know, wisened up. Um, but it was those three companies and they were all kind of operating and he really only had one account. And there was a, a guy by the name of Anthony Batista. I don't know if you know, Anthony, um, he owned pure CBD vapors, which was probably the biggest dropship company at the time. And so he listed, there weren't a ton of us brands out there. You know, there was Charlotte's web, there was us, and there was like five other guys. Um, Bluebird botanicals, I think was that early, um, couple other, and so Anthony kind of had them all on this one site. And so he would just do a 50, 50 split. Um, and so it was kind of like a wholesale account. And that was the only income they had coming in when I, when I came. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Yeah. Not, not be diversified. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So I came in and you know, I, uh, I was like, we need, you know, uh, a better web presence. You need to implement an affiliate program right away. Uh, that's going to be our best way of doing marketing because we were already knowledgeable about like we can't make claims and things like that. So let's build a, an ambassador army that can tell our story. And was there cash to do anything? Did he have money? Did he have? Not at first. Not at first. There was very, very little cash. Um, I think they were making like five grand a month off that site. Um, and that was pretty much it. So then I'm still working. I'm not too worried about it. I'm making a decent salary where I'm at. And uh, Tom Dolan, uh, one of the Dolan brothers that owns Madison Square Gardens, New York Knicks, things like that. Yeah, the Dolan family. Yep. He puts a large investment into the trio of companies. How? How the hell did they get that connection? How? Who knocked on that the door? CEO of the THC company was his roommate in college. Oh shit! Okay, wow. All right. That yeah. without that infusion of cash right there, the whole thing could have been dead probably in another six months. Oh, I easily. Mean, easily. Um, but that was the wow. thing when that happened. I was like, I can quit my job. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, cool. All right. We got the Dolan money. Now. Yeah, I can quit. <laughs> So I remember I called my uh, my director, uh, uh, you know, I think two skip levels above my manager. Um, I called my director because he was the one who hired me and I had a ton of respect for him. And I was like, hey, man, I, uh, I got an offer to be CIO of this company. It's a startup company. And I think I got to chase it. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, hear what you thought first. And he took an old school approach and he was like, you're not ready. You need more time. You need to, you know, learn more. You're never you ready. The reality more. is, the reality is, you're never ready for a C level position until you actually do it. I don't care who you are. You know, until you actually jump into the swimming pool of C level, nobody's ready. You, you yeah. jump in and you, you you flounder around and figure it out. But anyway, sorry, I cut you off. No, you know that's that's you're exactly right. And uh, I remember he told me that, and that was it. That was the deciding moment for me of like. <laughs> I'll prove to you I'm ready. I'll show I'll you. I'll prove to you. Yeah, <laughs> man. It lit a fire under me, and I was like, all right, um, expect my two weeks. In about 30 minutes, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, and then, okay, cool. All right, so then you take over a CIO, COO, whatever, second command of Pure Spectrum, basically, mm -hmm. at that point. Did yeah. you get ownership? Did you get some equity in there? Do you mind me asking? Not at that point. No. All right. All right. I was I was a zero at that time, uh, which was funny because I helped my my buddy build the website, the original website. He got a percent out of that, um, uh, one percent for building the website for him, and then very quickly realized that we should not have built the website that way. It was a completely custom built website. 
and so like to make any changes, I would have to like message him. And he was like on, on the rise in, in his own journey. He's now like second in command at Amazon web services, super smart, super. Wow. 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 But, well, um, we're because we're bumping up on our time here. I want to ask yeah. you, um, give me the short version of why you left Pure Spectrum, and then yeah. how, and then why you came back. And and by and by the way, just so everybody knows, now uh, Dan is the CEO of Pure Spectrum. And for the listeners, it is PureSpectrumCBD.com. Um, give me the short version on why you left and and how you came back. Yeah. Um. um let me go quick. So. After all that happened, I got equity. We split apart from the, that trio um, okay. in, in kind of a legal thing that happened. And we were free and clear from them. We took all the equity back into us, but we also lost the investment from Tom Dolan. And so, oh, okay. We're oh, it out. All right. um, and so with, with what I had to do to, to get us to that point, I earned about 20% equity of the company there once we got it all back. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, but as soon as Dolan pulled the money out and you lost the trio, you had 20% of equity of, of nothing. It yeah. was almost <laughs> a big, big old nothing. Um, and so we, you know, went really hard after the ambassador side of things. We, our first ambassador was Aljamain Sterling in the UFC. And then we had Max Holloway and a bunch of UFC fighters. And, uh, we recruited a guy named Ryan from victory fighting championships who was like, Hey, I'm going to go after CrossFit. So we went after CrossFit. We became lead sponsor of the CrossFit games in 2018, which was big at the time because we were the first cannabis company to partner with a major sports organization like that how how did you do that from a funding perspective do you mind i mean yeah i'm guessing there wasn't a ton of cash in the bank did you pass out equity no no it was a completely irresponsible decision at the time uh we had we didn't have it we were gambling that by the by doing it that we would be able to make it so we structured the payments in a way that it was a year out (laughs) oh month out and it was a complete gamble that that would be successful and that it would make us enough money to pay for the sponsorship (laughs) itself so i remember at the crossfit games i was um sitting in the back of the trailer i just come off of being the first person to talk about cbd for athletes on live cbs sports aired to the whole world we've crashed the website three times we have so much traffic hitting the website it should be this amazing moment and at the same time we're going to miss payroll tomorrow. There's like $6 left in the checking account and there's high interest loan sharks that if we miss their payment, like it's even worse. So, uh, it, and, yeah. and, and the people that you just mentioned, yeah, that you borrowed money from there, you got those people. And don't forget the sponsors that you said you would pay. They're all like super athletes that could whoop your ass if they really wanted. Oh to. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So all that happens. Uh, and while that's all happening, you know, uh, my partner at the time was spending money out of the account regularly, taking cash out when he'd go to Vegas for MJ BizCon and gambling and uh, oh. things. And I was just like, okay, maybe I can, maybe we can grow enough and I can fix it. Maybe if we grow big enough, I can say, hey, take a 300K salary and just stay home. Just don't come into work. We got it. And uh, that worked for a while, actually, and until his ego got the best of him and he, wanted to be involved and um, came back and he kept spending money out of the account and doing things like that. And it's impossible to run a business when you can't plan your cash flow correctly. And Hey man, what's this Amex charge? Hey, Hey, hey what's this yeah. expression? Yeah. 
yeah and so like that was happening and uh we were borrowing from peter to pay paul and i was having to constantly tell like vendors and people like oh don't worry it's coming when i have no Mm. idea if it's coming or not and Mm. i think Mm. there was two years of payrolls where i was not confident in one of them and like something would happen at the 11th hour every time like a sales guy my sales guy thomas would call me hey i just landed this huge deal deal money should be in an hour and i'm like Cool, payroll's covered once more. There's gonna be a problem. In two weeks. <laughs> Talk uh, about, but hey, this goes back to the: Are you ready for sea level? Uh, yeah. yeah, there, there is. There, there, there's no training checklist that prepares you for shit like that. There's, no. there's just not. I think that's when. I think that's officially when I went bald. By the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going through all that. And eventually, I was like, okay, this is this is my name. This is my reputation. I don't have much else in the world, so I can't. I can't be associated. I can't have my name drugged through this. I need out. Um, Was the guy, was the guy, the partner that was, you having to pay the 300 and he's spending money out of the account. Was he independently wealthy or he was kind of living on the edge with check to check as well with this cash. He grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth uh, as a trust fund kid and his story, which I, I can never know which stories are true and which are complete hogwash. But his story was that when he went into the cannabis world, his family cut him off and cut off his trust accounts. Ah, bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, He never put a dime in the company or anything else. I cashed in my 401k at one point to keep us alive that I had made from the software company. Um, and so, yeah, okay. that was one thing I told my mom I wouldn't do too. So if you're listening, mom, I'm sorry I did it, but it worked out all right. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so all that was happening. I was like, I need out, you know, wh- how, what can you buy me out for? How does this work? And, uh, it took about nine months of negotiations and it was drastically less than we first talked about uh at the first month of negotiations but for me it didn't matter because i was negotiating to have no non-compete the only way non-competes really stand up is if there's equity tied to it in the conversion event and i talked to enough lawyers to figure that out by that point and i was like okay what's the amount i can get where i have no non-compete and i can do whatever i want out of this and, good move good move um yeah, good move it it worked out. Uh, me and that that one guy, we we left and started a distribution company. We did two million in revenue in our first ten months of business in that new company, and right. um, I learned a lot about distribution and and all of the other companies because we distributed for Charlotte's Web and Bluebird Botanicals and a bunch of the bigger names in the space. So I got to learn how they did everything. And um, this was American. This was American Hemp Distributor. Yes. Yep. And um, we built that. Uh, after I got bought out from Pure Spectrum. And then I realized during that build that like, I'm a big fan of the brand. I'm a big fan of the brand builder. I'm great at storytelling and building a brand. And I don't like selling other people's stuff. I just don't. I don't have the passion for it. Uh, I lost kind of the I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to make a move here. And I actually had told my partner, Hey man, I'm going to step down as COO. I don't know if I'm going back to software or what, but this, this just isn't working for me. I don't, I've lost my passion for it. It's not there. And a week later I got a call, um, from a lawyer and he said, Hey, uh, all the shareholders at pure spectrum have, have been gotten together. Uh, your old partner had lost equity in a court case and now he's under 50%. Um, all the shareholders have voted unanimously that they want him out and they've all voted unanimously that they would like you to return and run the company. 
And I let's said, talk equity. Uh, my next comment would have been, let's talk equity. That's <laughs> probably what I should have said. Uh, my next comment was, hell no, and I hung up the phone. <laughs> I was, it took me so long to get out of there. It was so much pain and, and suffering. I, I, no, I don't, I'm not jumping back in the frying pan, no. Mm. Um, and it took me a couple nights, and it took my girlfriend, who's even more empathetic than I am, to say, Dan, a lot of the shareholders are your friends. A lot of the employees still that are still there are your friends and they've been abused. And um, if you're the one person that has been elected that might be able to help, like you should think about coming back and helping. Um, and so I had obviously my stipulations, you know, uh, my former partner can't have. Uh, yeah, he can't. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be all the way out. Like we got to figure that yeah. out. I'm not going to make him successful all over again. Um, I do want an equity for the help. And I also want to be able to establish an ESOP for the employees that stay. Um, Great. So that Great. they're not working themselves out of a job. If we end up going gangbusters and, and selling off, I, I want them to be compensated for busting their ass too. Good move. Good move. And I want to be able to work remotely from Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, very necessary as well. It, it's, it's been a lot of travel back and forth and, you know, I got in there. It was much worse than I thought it was going to be. I didn't pay myself for the first four months because cash flow was so bad. Um, he had three high interest loans stacked on top of each other that were factoring agreements, essentially a sale of future oh, receivables. Boy. And mm -hmm. so the mm -hmm. bank account was being debited $4,600 a day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is untenable. Uh, I ended up having to lay off half the staff, uh, which was my first time doing layoffs. And if you know me well, I, uh, I suck at firing people. Like if you deserve it, I suck at letting you go. I kind of, you know, I get emotional about it. So if you don't deserve it and it's the company's fault, like that was a, a brutal day for me. Um, Did you know the cash and the books were that bad when you said yes to no. the CEO position or that you, no. you said yes and then you got there and you opened the books? You're like, oh, fuck. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I said yes. And I even knew in my head, like, it's going to be worse than you expect, but I should have multiplied by like 10 um, <laughs> instead of two. By the uh, way, that is the number one thing I tell people when they call me for advice on C-level positions you know, because I'm, you know, Riderflex is a recruiting firm for our day job, right? So we're talking to candidates all day long. And I have a bunch of friends that, you know, they always call me if they get a C-level offer. And I always tell them, I'm like, look, just make damn sure that you see the real books, the real cash flow, the real bank account. Hopefully it's audited from somebody outside the company. I've seen it way too many times where people take a CEO spot and then they get in there and they're like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know about that $5 million of debt. I didn't know that your accounts receivable was, you know, past 90 days on yeah. every single vendor, you know, just. Oh, and, and there's start. this many active lawsuits and yeah, yeah. that lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know all of that. Um, Oof, I probably would have said no had I known all of that. Did you so. have that moment where you're on the flight from DIA back to Kansas city and you're in you're in you're in thirty thousand feet, and you're like, "What the fuck did I do?" Why oh, I many do? of them, yeah, not just one, many of them. <laughs> um, it, I, another shareholder came back in with me to be CFO uh, to help out with things, and I think we both had had those conversations and those feelings. <laughs> but again, it's it's uh, to me like business is it's about people, um, and yeah, the yeah. team that's still in place there today is amazing. Uh, the products right. we make are amazing. The reviews that we get on the products that we make are amazing. Um, we're great. still helping so many people. And so for me, if I, if I keep that as a North star, it makes all the other stuff, uh, much you've easier. Been, to deal you've with. been there a year. Are you still worried about making payroll every time or it's, it's leveled no, off a little? 
No, it's leveled off. Uh, we've got some great ambassadors that have joined us. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah we, we've, we're doing well. Um, we're doing really well right now. We just moved our whole headquarters um, last week, which was a, a rough week, but it's going to save us a lot of money. And okay. uh, the headquarters that we were in was another ego decision by the the former guy who you okay. know, had this beautiful lake view in the mountains, yeah. 13, 13 grand a month for fulfillment in an office where we just got a bigger spot that USPS and UPS picks up from. We've never had them pick up for. We always have to go drop it off. So we, they pick up from us. It's closer to my fulfillment team. It cuts all their drive in half. One of my guys saves ten days a year in driving time now by moving it closer to them, and it's a fifth of the cost. <laughs> I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, that's a no-brainer. Great move. Yeah, great move. That probably saved the company a million bucks a year or whatever the, the number yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, definitely six figures. Um, so yeah, great, great move. How many employees now? Uh, fifteen. Fifteen employees. Okay, yeah. very good. Um, and what's the uh, is the goal to spin it off? Get are you are you getting pressure from the board or from the equity holders to to scale it and grow it, or they just want you to just finish repairing, get it healthy, and we'll see what happens. Like, what's what's the conversation? Um, the goal, the conversation from the very beginning has been um, we have a VC group that's that's uh, invested into us uh, oh. quite a bit of money. Oh, um, since you since you came back or before you no, came back? No, before I came back. It was literally the time after I left. So like the do month they, after I left. Oh um, man, do they own fifty one percent? No, uh, okay. no, they don't. They own less than thirty. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Good. Good. Because if they own fifty one percent, your life would be different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. They. They're. They're great. They're a great group to work with. Uh. You know. They've invested into a bunch of unicorns. So I'm. I'm small potatoes for them. Okay. So, right. Um. They kind of just let me do my thing. Uh. But their. Their goal for me. They're like. You know. If we could plan it the perfect way for us. Um. You'd come in. You'd ten x revenue. We find yep. a buyer and yep. sell it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least it's not PE money, so you're not. It's not like they want you to. You know, there's pressure, but not not a shit ton every day. They're not calling you every day. Uh, right. Hopefully, hopefully. Right. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, very good. Um, and and your girlfriend is supportive. She's ha it, I don't know. She's happy. She's 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 cool with your decision. She's happy. She's happy. She's cool with the decision. Um, right. Yeah, she was part of my stipulations coming back as well. Uh, so she's our director of customer service. Um, oh, we've right. worked together for a long time. She uh, was also director of customer service at American Ham Distributor. She's okay. a rock star when it comes to that. Um, those layoffs I told you about, I laid off seven employees and replaced all seven with her. And she's crushed <laughs> it. All of their responsibilities Great. into one role, and she's Great. absolutely crushed it. Fixed systems, made things uh, better. We've had more five-star reviews uh, over the past year from customer service than any time in the past. So, um, awesome. it's, it, we work together really well, and um, you know, she will be my wife someday. And uh, I, I hope that I will thank her for convincing me to stay one day. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Uh, it has been challenging, but. Um, you know, I, I love the old saying, uh, you, uh, calm sea never made a skilled sailor. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm taking out of this right now is I'm just learning to become the best I can be and, uh, the best leader I can be. And, um, you know, I'm getting a little battle hardened right now, which uh, I'm sure will be helpful in my future because I plan to be a 
entrepreneur my whole life. And um, even after I get a few exits under my belt, uh, I think ultimately it's my, my goal will be helping other entrepreneurs, um, you know, giving back and, and helping people avoid some of the mistakes I made with, you know, partners and, and things like that, where I was just ignorant and I didn't understand um, mm-hmm. if I can give back to the next generation and help people like me. Um, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Dan, I really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story. And congratulations, my friend, on everything you have accomplished. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you having me. It's been a blast. And thanks for, uh, you know, making us bald men look even better than we normally do. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs>